All right, Sherry, let's talk about Zentral Girl. Okay. Well, like I said, I was on the beach licking my wounds after my divorce about 13 years ago, and I wanted to live this sensual life. And then I remember Googling, and there was this sensual goddess, and I was like, oh, somebody already has the domain. So then I became sensual gal, Z for short. And so I just sat by the pool with my laptop and started writing these short stories. And um, they were really, I think, just part of my healing process that I had no idea. Because I've re- I had, at that time, written a women's motivational book and a business book. Mm-hmm. I'm writing, sitting here writing like a little bit of spicy erotica, sort of. Mm-hmm. And it was about people connecting. And I just thought, what was the whole idea? And so I had the tagline for Zensual Gal. I had no idea what I was going to do with it, but it was own your body, claim your zen. Let's go. Oh, yeah, own, own your, your body, body claim, claim your zen. zen. Okay. And Love. I've never really loved the word own, but I thought about it more and more. And I was not in alignment with my body. Mm. I didn't honor her with eating the right way or exercising necessarily or giving myself enough rest or maybe not even being around the people that were positive for me. So owning my body and my choices mm-hmm. was so important to me. And then I felt like claiming my Zen. It was right there for me, and I was going to go get it. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I'm going to go get it. And so Zentral Gal was born that day. And out of that, I just kind of kept it on the back burner, and I'm still doing my HR work, still doing the millennial books. And then after I finished the training, I thought, you know what? There's a there's a way to – I don't know if I'm ever going to coach, but I'm like, I want this – I want the sensual gal to really do something in the world. I want that to be my message somewhere about helping. I pulled up our divorce stats this morning just to see if I was really far off. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I could help move the needle, just one couple, one person, or any of that, 1%. Our divorce rate for our first marriage right now is 44%. Wow. The average is 66% of women are the ones who file for divorce. And this is going to be just, it, it shocked me when I read this. The average age of divorce is 26 to 39. That's our millennials. 26 to, to 39. 39. Average 20. Yes. Well, and I, the average I, length is eight years. So that tells you something too. So I, 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 I look at my life and I think, okay, I was, the, I was married the first time. I, I was pregnant at 17, had a baby at just barely, no, I had a baby at 17, turned 18 right after that, was doing well on my own. I mean, well as could be. Sure. I sure. went to work and, and did a GED, you know, took my GED, went to work, and um, landed a fabulous job as a secretary, <laughs> Remember that word, Mm -hmm. secretary? (laughs) Do you use that anymore, HR? No, no. It makes me think of nine to five with um, Dolly Parton and Sally Field. So so as a secretary working at the downtown Austin, got to go to the Capitol quite often because I worked for a lobbyist group in the education department, got to speak and and on stage because of a project I did in high school. Oh, great. You know, so it was really cool. But then you know, baby daddy came back into my life and I just thought, oh yeah, I need to do the right thing. We'll get married. So that was marriage number one. Didn't turn out really well. I mean, the, the, I, it, it was an abusive relationship. Wasn't, wasn't a great one. Yeah. Then marriage number two lasted less than a year. And at that time I was still in my early twenties. 
So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I was, it, it, I think I was 26, 27 years old, married by then my second time. Of course, now I've been, you know, married for quite a while, yes. 26, 27 years, something like that. Anyway, so, yeah, those those stats, I mean, but good gosh. You don't know who you are at that point. I know. And, and how are you supposed to age. connect and learn and communicate and do all of the things that you need for a healthy marriage at that age? Yeah. And, and average, I mean, we talk about the seven-year itch, right? Uh-huh. So when I saw the statistic that wasn't far off, it was eight. eight? That's probably because it's mm-hmm. seven years. You file for divorce and you're not actually divorced mm-hmm. until the eighth year, I'm thinking, is probably what happens. But I laughed because my husband said, you know, we're coming up on seven years. And, and, I, and I said, yeah, mm-hmm. And so I was reading the stats this morning. I thought, okay, we're going to make sure we're still communicating because mm-hmm. he's in one country, I'm in another most of the time. We're hardly ever together. So communication has mm-hmm. been even more key, especially as we have this world where people are not, um, they're working remote and, and it's changed so much. But communication... And those are just things that we're not necessarily taught. And even if we've had a prior marriage or two or five or whatever, we're not necessarily learning the skill sets in a positive way we need to have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. So as much as it was for me to learn, I was also healing myself mm-hmm. And giving mm-hmm. myself, like, I felt like, and I don't know if you think of it this way, but I, I think I walk around with, like, a toolbox. And usually my toolbox is full. I've got lots of good ideas. I can handle most things that, you know, people might have questions on or myself. But when I went down and looked at my toolbox after I got remarried and it was flat empty, mm-hmm. there wasn't one wrench in the thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started taking the course for sex and intimacy. And they talked about all of the things where we hold trauma in our body, how we respond Mm -hmm. to um, being in shame or the difficult conversations and learning to have those. So it it really didn't have the emphasis on the sexual act. It had the emphasis on all of who we are showing up in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. every time I did a new module or a new session with somebody, I came away with learning something else about myself and how I could show up differently in my relationships, period. All of them. So I'm, you know, I'm sitting there just thinking, well, there's so much we could unpack. You could be, we, this could be a coaching session for me right here, right now. (laughs) And fortunately, my husband doesn't listen to my podcast. There you go. You're safe. (laughs) safe. (laughs) He knows I have one, but he does not listen. There you go. And my kids don't either. So, you know, we're really (laughs) safe. Oh, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I sit there and I think about how when you say shame, I'm thinking shame and body, the body shaming we do. Like I still, one of the, 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 the two areas that I personally am working on and I struggle with is, especially at my age, is liking my body. Right, right. And so if I like my, if I don't like my, my immediately thoughts are, I notice all of these imperfections in my body, therefore I don't, I don't think he's going to like my body right. because he's going to see the same things that I'm seeing and I'm going to gross him out. Right. And where are you the whole time? You're here. I'm in my head. Not in your body. Not in my body. So how can our body experience pleasure and connection? When I'm all up in my head. Precisely. 
Yeah. That's, that's, that's the really the biggest part is like, we have to drop into our body in order to have those experiences. And, and being that I used to be really overweight, even after I lost the weight, my thighs have always been a problem for me, no matter how much I work out. And I was always in my head, mm-hmm. if I was going to be intimate at all with somebody, I was like, oh my gosh, my thighs are going to just gross them out. Mm-hmm. That's going to be it. Lights have to be off. Mm-hmm. And I finally realized that all of this whole time I'm in my head, I'm supposed to be connecting with another human being in one of the most intimate acts, but I'm not there because I'm up here worried mm-hmm. about my inner thighs. Mm-hmm. And I realized how much I was missing out on. And Michelle, I'll tell you, I was 38 years old before I even knew that such a thing as an orgasm existed. 38. Mm-hmm. I thought I was broken for life. Mm-hmm. I was watching like Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Yeah. Oprah, and they were always talking about stuff like that. And I'm ironing clothes for my little girl, her blue jeans, and I'm watching going, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. I am broken. Here's another place I'm broken. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. So I faked it. Mm -hmm. And that was the easiest thing to do until I realized that that was a disservice to me and to whoever my partner was. But don't you, I mean, faking who we are, for others is what we do as a survival skill because we're, you know, in in so many other, like if you're faking that part of your life, you're faking other parts of your life. Of course you are. So at some point in time you go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not broken. I'm just a faker. Yeah. Just faking it. (laughs) Just faking it. And you have to wonder why it's because you're afraid to show your true you. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. I'm like, if I'm afraid to show up, as who I really am, Mm -hmm. then that tells me I've got something I need to fix first. Right. And I spent some time before I met my husband alone, and Mm -hmm. it was the best time for Mm self-discovery because I was learning to get to know me Mm -hmm. because I was like, if that man didn't want to stay married to me anymore, what's so wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So that was started my quest. But then I was like, I want to get to know me. Mm -hmm. So before I go out and show other people who I am, I need to know who I am, mm-hmm. and then I can show up as the real me. See, and I think that's the seven-year itch. I think that we all get to a place in our life where you go, okay, I went from teenager to adult, and from adult to children, animals, marriage or mortgage, relationships, yep. mortgage, all of these obligations, and then you go, what the... Am I? I mean, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? I don't even know myself. I don't know this person. And And that's... Yeah, that's huge. And what do you think your partner's saying when they see you like that? Mm -hmm. They're like, I married this, Mm -hmm. or I thought this was my partner. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but they're gone. Now you don't know who you are, and how am I supposed to know who you are if you don't know who you are? If you don't have those pause moments of really, and the good communication, which... And it's vulnerable. It's not easy. And so one of the things that I decided to do after I did my training with Somatica is my husband was so brave. And he said, there's this course by Dr. Troy Love, his real name, and it's on finding peace in relationships. And he said, you know, after what we experienced last year, he said, I really think it could be good for us. So I, I say, yes, let's, let's do it. Because you say yes to I, I was like, Yeah, if my energy says yes, <laughs> let's I'm like, okay, let's do okay, it. Okay, let's go. Are you going to hold my hand? Come on, share. <laughs> let's go do this. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see what happens on the other side. 
And it literally gave us these tools that we never had on how to have difficult conversations. He even has a deck of cards you use if you're the listener or you're doing it with empathy or if you've got your shadows and your your old abandonment wounds or whatever's showing up for you usually isn't what your partner is done. It's usually you got triggered from something in the past. Mm -hmm. And it was such an amazing course for us as a couple that I decided to get certified in his entire Finding Peace and Relationships mm-hmm. course. And so that's where I was this morning. I have two weeks left, and then I'm done my certification. And I signed up to go to his retreat in October mm-hmm. in Palestine, Texas, because I want to see the man in person who's helped make things so much better mm-hmm. in all of my relationships because of the tools he added to my toolbox. Mm-hmm. They're just incredible. I just, I think it's amazing because we are out there having relationships with so many people. And if we can figure out what our, our, our old trauma is, are we living from a pa- place of pain mm-hmm. and are we self-medicating? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's the story we're telling ourselves? That to me has helped huge. And if I apply that and I look at it like recently, I got, we got kicked out of my mother and father-in-law's house, mm. like literally mm. asked to move out on Mother's Day weekend. And we were living there to try to help take care of my mother-in-law who has dementia. Mm. And it was really confusing for her because she one moment would have clarity and be like, oh, yeah, Cher and Manny are coming back. I miss them so much. And then she would have this confusion. So my father-in-law called and he said, it would probably be better if you just moved your stuff out. And we're like, okay, well, we live in Mexico. That's not a problem. My shame and the feelings of not being enough and sense of abandonment triggers Mm -hmm. They went off the charts. I was like, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not worthy. You immediately go into what did I do wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And it took me a few minutes Mm -hmm. to really let those feelings wash over me and then go, this isn't about you. Mm -hmm. But in the old days, I would have been react, react, react. Which would have caused resentment and shame and guilt and all of those low vibe feelings. Yes. Yes. Keeps you down. Yes. And so I went and did the moving instead of my husband because it was his parents and I felt like that was our teamwork. That was the best way to do it. And now we were able to go back recently and she kept saying to us, how come you've been gone so long? And I said to him, you know, we need to be here more because she's 88. We don't know how much time we have with her. And I wouldn't forgive myself if we didn't get to spend as much time as we could and be here. And it doesn't mean we have to live in their house to do it. But we want to be here and be available. Mm-hmm. 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 So you built this place in Mexico, though. Yes. Well, we were living in London <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> so you have a place in Tulum. Yes, we do. And you built that for the purpose of? At first, it was the purpose of for us to have a place to live after <laughs> we finished with all the hard work through London mm-hmm. that we could escape to because... The ocean is where I've always found my inspiration and where I felt the most positive energy and vibrations. Mm -hmm. And when I stepped on this land in Tulum, I put my feet down and the word bliss came to me Mm -hmm. immediately. And I signed the papers to build a custom home on two lots without my husband ever seeing it. Mm -hmm. He's in London and I... Him just leaving Texas and, and he expects I, the unexpected. He from does the expect the right? unexpected, and I'm like, baby, just trust me on this. This is going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, this custom home turned into a retreat center. Mm-hmm. That was the energy I kept getting from it more and more. And I built every room so that 
it would be a sanctuary for people to go to and write or journal or if they wanted to sit and watch TV. But I had no TV installed in the downstairs space at all so that it was all about it's connection communal. and communal and co- collaboration and discussion. And it, all the windows open up to a beautiful, huge saltwater pool because I wanted it to be, again, how can we get outside? How can we stay connected with one another? And the more I started with this house, and building a house in another country when you live in a really faraway country was fascinating, but together my husband and I were able to figure it out, and we became Mexican residents, Mm -hmm. and so it took forever to get a little car because Mm -hmm. that's really difficult to do, and and we got through the building of the house, and we got through all of it, and everything was amazing. And we had our first guest at the end of April, Mm -hmm. and loved it, and rave reviews everybody thought it worked out really well but just recently my husband and I looked at each other and I said tell me honestly do you love living here every day Mm -hmm. is this the place that I really thought Mm -hmm. and he looked at me and he said it's hard he said it's hard because we're away from our people it's hard because we're away from his family it's hard because we're not really close to the nearest airport we're not far but Tulum is so magical Mm -hmm. It is truly a magical place, but we're not retired, and we still want to be around mm-hmm. our work and our business and our friends, and and so we decided that we were going to turn it more into a retreat center, mm-hmm. and I just love that idea, and so we are now starting the idea of like, okay, well, where are we going to live in Texas, and we just made that decision two weeks ago. Oh, okay. And so it was really fun to look at each other and say, how do you really feel? Mm-hmm. And get an honest answer. Like we have, we have done all of this work. We have sacrificed so much. Mm-hmm. And now we're in paradise. Mm-hmm. And we're going, I don't know if this is it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily that that crossroad mm-hmm. was anything other than going, yes, you're going to do this. Yes, you're going to make this investment. And you're going to make this space where people can come and heal mm-hmm. and transform their lives. Mm-hmm. That's how it felt for me. And I'm like, then I've done my job. Absolutely. That's it. So you were talking before about when you did have someone come or you built the campfire Mm -hmm. so people could paint on their body. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I decided that in the books that I was writing for Zensual Gal, there's a part where I talk about being broken. And there's that Japanese teacup story where his Mm. pot breaks, right? And then it comes back, it looks ugly. So then it's infused with gold and it's even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I had the idea of then, and I did this with the first uh, set of women that came just before um, my friend came for her birthday, where I said, let's just paint our emotional and our physical scars. We will do it for you. Mm -hmm. So they could be wearing their bathing suit, they could be nude, whatever the person felt comfortable with, Mm -hmm. but they would tell us where they were just by pointing. Mm -hmm. They could say the word if they wanted to, but not, like I've had, I've had breast reduction surgery. Mm -hmm. So that would be one of my physical scars. I may have emotional scars in my heart, so I might choose a different color for that to heal it and holding hands. But when I first suggested it and told our builder why I was doing it so they could help make the space, it was so funny because my husband's like, I don't want colored paint all over the beautiful (laughs) tiles Mm -hmm. around the fireplace. Mm -hmm. And then I went, you know what the best thing is? I will put a drop cloth down Mm -hmm. and only their paint will fall on their drop cloth. Then I'll cut it out out and and have it framed and they can take it and I'll put a little bow and we'll all sign it. And, Mm -hmm. but then I'll have a frame sent to them so they can frame it if they want to. So it, 
fulfilled my husband's purpose, but it wasn't a roadblock he gave me. It mm-hmm. was just an opportunity to come up with a new idea. Mm-hmm. But years ago, I'd done a boudoir photo shoot. And I remember the first thing the woman said to me, and her name was Brie Adams. She said, we're going to start with you naked first. And I went, <gasps> "Yeah." I was like, what? what? We're going to start with what first? Yeah. And she said, because our clothes leave marks. So she said, we do the clothing part towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I know if I drink alcohol, this is a tell for me, Michelle, if I have any alcohol, I'm going to get red in the face. Mm -hmm. So she offered me champagne to kind of relax me. And I was like, oh, no, 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 because I'm going to end up red. You're going to have more editing. You're going to have more editing later on. (laughs) And my my words to her were, you don't get to edit anything. Mm. And later on when I saw the photos, there was some that I was like, oh, wow. And then there was some that I was like, I can't believe I really did that. And it was such a good growth opportunity. And that's sort of where I started getting the idea mm-hmm. about, I saw my physical scars mm-hmm. and I started thinking about well, how many emotional wounds did I take into that photo shoot with mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. A ton of my, not enough. Do I look this way? I'm standing here well, naked with the I'm two of them. They're thinking that if I were to have that photo session, then I would have to see and accept myself for as I am and learn to love that person that I'm looking at because it's myself right. and I deserve that love. Deserve that love. And you know, when I saw the pictures later, it actually helped give me some ideas about you are beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds egotistical, but it was like, I don't mm-hmm. think I'd ever said that to myself. I was like, mm-hmm. you are strong. Mm-hmm. No, you are bigger brave. Arm, you know, and you then are courageous. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You're safe. You did that because you felt safe. In myself. In yourself. All of those words that are so important that we hear from ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so I liked the experience. I did it just really for me. And then she made a nice book and I gave it to my husband. No big deal. Put it in storage, whatever. (laughs) Not like I was putting that on the coffee table, let me just say. But that's the, the one thing that you hope your kids, you know, that find. movie Bridges of Madison County, you know, yep. where the kids are going through all of mom's stuff and then they, they run across her diary. You know, there's some stuff you just like, Ooh, I need to burn this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I my was like, kids don't, don't find it that. one day. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not like we're going to put those up. But when I was getting ready to do the cover for this book, your Zentral Girl My Zentral Gal book, uh, yeah. Gal. I was like, yeah. but I decided to put not out the self-help book first. I decided mm-hmm. to put out the 69 stories first. Mm-hmm. So I went with a photographer who works on energy, and he was in New York. And so I flew from London to New York, and I knew him through my Somatica training, but I didn't know him in person. And here I was, naked, again, but emotionally. Mm-hmm. And, it, and we did... All of them were with clothing, but it was naked showing up, like being willing to do whatever mm-hmm. he asked me to do. Like he asked me to to try to seduce the intimacy director, mm-hmm. to try to get me to be playful because I wasn't being playful. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so outside my comfort zone. So it was a job at that point. I know. I was like, And then finally, when I could just be me, mm-hmm. we got the photo of me sitting in the bathtub for the cover of my book. And it was the last photo of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know was that photo shoot, I've, I left New York and I flew to Canada and that was the last time I saw my mom alive. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, she asked me to handwrite all these notes to the nurses because I have good penmanship when I want to. And we're both left-handed. And I'm so out of it. I go by the note cards. I write each one the way she says to write them. 
I get back on a plane to go to London and I get a call saying that she's going to die. And nobody knew that. Mm -hmm. Nobody. She knew that because she asked me to write those cards. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean. Mm -hmm. And so there was this quarantine period in London before I could get back on a plane. Mm -hmm. And I had to fly through Dallas to get to Canada because they were still so stringent. And the night before I was to get to Canada, I was like, okay, I wish there was middle of the night flights. There wasn't. And my brother had told my mom on Tuesday that I was going to be there by Friday. And my mom said to him, she won't make it. Mm. She won't be here in time. And she died in the middle of the night, Thursday night, Mm. on my way there. Mm. And so that kind of full circle for me made me realize that my mom lived this very limited life, very difficult life. And a lot of those were her choices. But I even strengthened my resolve that no matter how uncomfortable I felt about writing Zensual Gal, Mm -hmm. it was my purpose. Mm -hmm. It was what I was passionate about, was honoring me Mm -hmm. and my message. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to apologize for Mm -hmm. it because we don't know how many days we have left. Mm -hmm. I left her thinking I was going to get to come back in another month or so. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get to see her again. I didn't get to hold her hand. Mm -hmm. And my mom asked for my forgiveness in that meeting with me in October. She apologized for all the things she let happen. And And then she said, which is my mom style. She goes, and you know, I don't have any money, right? <laughs> and I laughed. I said, yeah, I know I'm paying for you to live here. She's like, so could you make sure my funeral is covered? <laughs> I was like, um, yes, but that's not something we have to deal with in the immediate future. But it was, but it was, and she knew. Yeah. And I was so mad for a while that she passed away before I could get there. And then one of my wise friends said, do you think that maybe as the oldest, you've had to do everything for so long that she actually let you off the hook with this yeah, one? Absolutely. And I went, oh, oh what a different so. way of thinking about yeah. that. And it really changed it for me. And I was like, I don't know how many days I've got, but I'm not going to be afraid to be in my body, to share my message. And it's not always going to be well received by some, mm-hmm. and it may not resonate with others. Mm-hmm. But it's the one I keep getting given that I don't get a choice about. Right. Period. And, and if you're living lit, you're living your truth, you're really living with intention, and you understand you have a purpose, yep. sometimes you just have to surrender to knowing that I don't totally understand, but I'm going to do this because I feel it's the right thing to do. Yes. I mean, if you really care about the fact that there are so many people that don't make it through marriage, yep. and if you can fix it through your message of intimacy and communication and connection and and being good with who you are and accepting yourself, yep. I mean, that's a great life purpose. To me, it's like a fabulous mission statement. Absolutely. I mean, there it is, you know. Because if you can do that in your marriage, how many other relationships do you transfer that same information? It improves your relationships with your children, with your friends, with your siblings, with your your parents, with your everybody, work. your work. Your community. You're showing We're up both grandmothers. Yes, you're showing up authentically you when, know, you can, when, you can, when you can be good good with and feel good about your your relationship with yourself and that person that you've chose to share life with absolutely and you know my I have to give credit to my husband because I know I'm not probably the easiest person to live with because I'm always trying to do different things and I'm stretching as he says him all the time but I know that he will have my back no matter what 
mm-hmm. and it was important that I also could show him mm-hmm. the same courtesy. Mm-hmm. And I love Brene Brown said this recently on one of her YouTube videos. She said, you know, some days I come home and I may have 70%. And she said, and I'll tell Steve, my husband, I'm a good solid 70 today. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I got you. I'm about a 90. Mm-hmm. And she said, marriage isn't 50, 50. Mm-hmm. It's, we are both bringing our hundred percent. And some days we may not have our hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And that's how we work in our partnership. Mm -hmm. And I just love that because it's true. We don't always, it's not, we're not one or two. I love one of our marriage counselors. No, it's like, who's going to be the superhero today? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's that. Because I always felt in the very beginning with my husband that I had to be perfect with everything. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there was such grace in just allowing myself to be me Mm -hmm. and showing up the best I could and that was a Knowing healing. tomorrow's may be different. Absolutely. You're not going to show up your best today. And I mean, you show up and be your best every single day, but your best isn't always 100%. Absolutely. And that's okay. Very well Because that's still your best. That is still my best. And that is exactly right. But thinking about that, I'm like, I loved that concept. So that has stayed with me mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we're not always. And when we're dealing with big life changes, mm-hmm. You know, and, and big things happening, illness, moving, whatever. You may be at 20% for several months. It could be, yeah. Yeah. Like, I got COVID for the first time last July. I went to France for a yoga retreat, and I came back with COVID of some very bad level, and I was sick almost a month. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I really had to let my husband take care of me mm-hmm. because I was so tired, and I was like, okay, I give. And I was like, all right, I get the message. Mm-hmm. I can't do it all and be all for everyone. And I actually let things slip through the cracks, Yeah, like responding to people. One of them was we were going to do our podcast about oh, that right. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was sick. And then I made myself sicker because I had guilt and remorse about the things I was letting fall off my plate. It was so crazy that that again, was another good lesson. I, who knew that I'd go to France to have this wonderful yoga experience? <laughs> and I would come back three days later with this horrible COVID. And I was it's like, just another opportunity it. to practice surrendering. It was. It was yeah. like, okay, I get it. Well, I, gosh, Sherry, you and I could just talk on and on. And you're, you're, next time you come to town, we're going to have to do this again. Absolutely. But as we close this out, what is, I mean, like, number one, where do people find your books? And go to Amazon and just look under Sherry Elliott Yuri. And I've tried to make all the Kindle versions like 99 cents for people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. since I no longer sell ties to tattoos or you mm-hmm. can have it all. Mm-hmm. And I made that big decision a year ago mm-hmm. and it's just not my message anymore. Mm-hmm. So they can still go to Amazon and get them on Kindle or mm-hmm. Audible because mm-hmm. I've left them on there. Mm-hmm. But my new books will come out on Amazon as well. What about the millennial books yes. are those still available to they you? are on amazon i okay. actually have a publisher who um, direct ships them to people okay all right and then your new book comes out in october okay yeah i'm very excited because this book started 13 years ago and now i'm finally at a point where i'm like i'm ready to put it out in the world but i stopped last year and decided to add 69 tips to living a sensual life mm-hmm. part of the reason why was because of our conversation because oh. you and i started talking about retreats and mm-hmm. life and you know just mm-hmm. look at what your message is right and i was like oh well i already own the domain sensual life this this whole idea it's not just for women mm-hmm. it's like Mm-mm. as you, we talked about it, it it impacts your whole community so i was like i wanted to give people my ideas for how i become 
sensual gal, but not related to that, but how do I live a sensual life? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote an entire 69 tips for a sensual life and added it to the book. So I put myself off like four or five months. But I was like, I got the hit that that content, Mm -hmm. even based on our initial conversation was like, those are my tips to tell people this mm-hmm. is how I did this journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in the first release of the book, it's going to have it as a bonus. But then after the first printing, I'm taking it out and making it into a journal. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I it'll be it. kind of fun. So the, at first, everybody will get it. Yeah. Okay. So how are you doing coaching? I am now doing coaching, which, you know, I had to find out where I was going to live first. And so I am now offering coaching and I have three coaching clients, which for me has been just a pure joy to get to work with people. And one's a couple and we do it remote. And if I can do it in person, I love to do that. And the other are two other women and I've had men reach out to me. And so I'm a lot more choosy when it's um, just for a man to Mm -hmm. make sure that I can really be the best person for them or if I need to refer them out. So I just started doing that. And so I've been offering better rates to people who are wanting to, because I'm just, even though I got the training years ago, I'm just now offering that. Yeah. And so how do people find you? They can go to sensualgal.com and my contact number, or they can go to social media. It's sensualgal on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I love it. Yeah. We finally got it all branded the same thing. It took me a while. Well, it, that does. I I mean, I think, yeah, all of that just takes a while. It does. And I'm still working on the message. Yeah. yeah. And our yeah. message changes. And it, so, it yeah, I have really enjoyed it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep writing under Central Gal. I put out a blog or two a week on there. I love it. So now you know how to find Sherry. If you want more Living Lit, of course, subscribe so that you get notification when there's a new episode. And I also have a private Facebook group called Living Lit. Oh. Living Lit Community. So if you would just look it up on Facebook, and that's where I give affirmations every morning and and have some insights on the weekend, and we'll also drop links to this um, podcast. Wonderful. So thank you for listening, and uh, leave us a review. super important so that people can find us later. So get out there and live your life living lit.